Hi, this is Gillian Riley and Jen Warren. Courageous Conversations is a series exploring the art of showing up authentically in our everyday spaces. Welcome to Courageous Conversations. Today we're speaking with Melanie Burke, a powerhouse in the development community, who while has always been a troublemaker in the professional sense, decided to dig a little deeper in the courageous conversations that she was having at home. Thank you, Melanie, for joining me today on this very curious subject of being a wife and leading a courageous life. And we'll talk a little bit more about that title in a minute, but tell me what you do. So I'm Melanie Burke and I'm a real troublemaker. And really what I spend my time doing now is bringing my professional authenticity to leading change in organizations who would otherwise not welcome me. I know you're an intuitive troublemaker. How do you make trouble? What's your style of troublemaking? It depends on the time of day. (laughs) Um, But mostly for me, troublemaking is tapping really deeply into who you are at your core and standing in that truth. And so it's around resonance. I often use dissonance to make trouble. But mostly I think it isn't even about my voice. It's about me, my person, being courageous enough to show up in these spaces where I would never, ever be invited in. And so I remain curious. I ask questions. I'm also very, very keen to not play in spaces where I can't be authentic. And people who know me will know that there are certain areas that matter to me, that I tap into my passion and my purpose very deeply. And you won't find me in other spaces. You will find me in a limited number of spaces. And there are about five spaces which center around education, leadership development, entrepreneurship development, the the creative and innovation spaces. And just to get to that troublemakers retreat, the reason I wanted to be part of that group was because I had witnessed your struggle for your voice and for your courage and your authenticity. And I knew I'd benefit from that. I mean, I had already made a decision that required huge amounts of courage, but I wanted to get into practice. And there I saw you in that room. And the journey you decided to go on in that room was so powerful for me. You were exploring issues relating to your marriage, to your partnership with your husband. That was your central focus throughout the weekend. And I wasn't expecting you to go there Can you tell me a little bit more about what led to that? The heart of that is around who I am at my most authentic place. And professionally, I'm very well regarded and people know me. And I think as a leader, you can sometimes get caught up in the veneer of what is expected from you in the public space or the professional space. And I realized that I had been spending a huge amount of time there and not enough time in my personal space. And the thing around my marriage had to do with the fact that I had made a choice and a commitment to myself to be in this relationship and to be part of this partnership. And I was realizing more and more in my quest for the professional satisfaction that I was neglecting what is a deeply, deeply important thing to me. I just felt it was time. I had put it off and put it off as one does because you don't have the courage to go there and to go internally. But I think what troublemakers also do is they give permission through their example for other people to find that little quivering voice of theirs, to find their courage, to stand by what is deeply important but expectation requires something else. In this world of social media and facades that people present, showing up very powerfully with your vulnerability, with the things that actually matter to you that have nothing to do with the accolades of the world, to gather back to myself all those parts of me that were in my professional spaces and bring that whole person into this deeply personal relationship. 
that was so sacred for me, but I was not giving any real attention to. We have to practice what we preach. And I had been teaching a way of being in the world, and I realized that I was being a little bit fraudulent because I was not doing that in my personal life. In fact, where it matters more to me than all the other spaces that I occupy. I had never thought I was going to be married. I was a career girl and in layman's terms, a real ball breaker. And so this man appeared in my life unexpectedly. I knew there was something there, but I wasn't prepared to give up me. And the best sign that he knew me and got me was when he proposed to me. He offered me the engagement ring and said to me, this is an offer of marriage, not a promise. And actually on that basis, I took the ring because I knew I could out if I didn't like this. I mean, I stayed engaged for four years before we got married. And it wasn't about any of the traditional decisions that go into marriage because I had established my career. I was economically independent. God forbid I was having sex. You know, all of the kinds of things that growing up in the area that I grew up in in South Africa, which was a township, that was contrary to the narrative because when I grew up, you had to find a husband so that your life could be better. And my terms for this was just so different. And so I was fighting the head knowledge versus the sort of intrinsic what I knew. I was deeply attracted to this man. I wanted to partner with him. But I also knew the old story that you would be completed by your partner didn't ring true for me. That being Melanie Burke was deeply entrenched in my identity formation of what others had said about me. And that was absolutely to do with fear of being found out. Fear of being found out that you're in some way lacking. Traditionally as a wife, I mean, I don't cook well. I don't keep her house like I'm supposed to. I don't do any of the things that I was expected to do and that I was trained from a child to accept as my role in life. And so when you kick against the shackles, you're mostly not just kicking against your own uncertainty and your own dis-ease, you're kicking against societal requirements. As a woman in work, a lot of what you can and can't do is predetermined by patriarchy and masculinity. For me as a, a woman, you can only be the woman you are. I don't buy what the magazines tell me. I don't buy what the self-help gatherings tell me. I'm very open about things that are perceived to be not great skills. So I have become a little easier with Mrs. Weeks. And actually, that's the other thing. We have to take ourselves a little less seriously. Have some more fun. I think for me, the courageous conversation was to say to my husband, I already love you. There is nothing you can do or say that's going to make me not love you. I needed to become more grounded in myself and be who I am. He is lighter now. He's not so tense about me and losing me and loving me and laughing with me. And we've gone back to laughing a lot again because I now don't take myself so seriously. And so when he says something about my stage name or about some professional engagement that I've, that I've had or I've been on television and he'll say something, I laugh about it because I don't feel the hurt and the pain of my own inadequacy in that way anymore. It was my own deeply rooted feelings of inadequacy. All the messages I got growing up in this country specifically around my, the color of my skin and the ability that I would have to transcend that. So I was messaged and programmed that it would have to be a fight and it actually isn't. You know, it's, you don't have any other examples and so you try and do the best you can and you can't in a way tap into your mother's experience.
because you're in a completely different environment now. And in fact, you often have to deal with your mother's disappointment that you haven't taken the traditional role that she has offered you as an example, you know? So we have to become as women a lot more easy. And my story with my marriage is deeply personal, but I've realized that if I did not pay attention and courageous and mindful attention to this really important relationship for me, no other relationship would be a matter of substance. In our professional experiences, we don't have so much to lose, which is why it took so much longer to confront myself around my marriage. There was too much at stake. If our conversations of courage can help other women find their own voices and their own strengths and their own womanity earlier without the fight and the struggle that some of us have had to go through, you know, we've done, we've paid the school fees. You know, I think that is what is part of the process of enabling radical empathy and the courage around finding your own voice. For me now, I don't struggle so much with either or with the professional or the private. They have become in balance, and some days there's more professional, and other days there's more private, and that's the flow for me. I'm not conflicted about when I offer more into my professional engagements or spaces, or when I offer more into my private spaces. And the outcome of all of that is that I am on track with an amazing relationship with the human that I've chosen to spend the rest of my life with. And actually, it wasn't so hard. And I so appreciated that he appreciates how important all of my roles are to me. That was almost permission for me to become more of Mrs. Weeks and Melanie Burke. And instead of reducing the one, I found that I've expanded all of me. And so Mrs. Weeks has an incredible role to play because you talked about a traditional role. I don't consider our marriage traditional, but in the context of what I've done and what I've chosen to be, which is a wife, I have made a commitment to myself. And so I hold myself to a standard which is mine. It's not society standard. And I think that if you've said yes to spending the rest of your life with one other person, and that's what I've done, some other people may have done it in different ways, that's how you keep your word. And so it's about creating the space for that relationship also to flourish because the professional relationships are fine. They actually don't need me as much as I need me. And I need me in this deeply private relationship. I was being ghosted by the fact that I'm not authentic because here in my deeply personal private spaces I was not being courageous enough. I was not having the conversations that I needed to have with myself firstly before I was able to have some of those conversations with my husband. And the most incredible thing started to happen when I was opening up and easier with checking in with myself and finding my voice around being a wife. What did that mean for me? The notions that I thought I had, that wasn't actually what was happening in practice because we've been together 20 years and I've been married now for 10 years and I've only now started to really engage fully and more powerfully with this wife thing. And you know what? I realized that my identity was so deeply entrenched in Melanie Burke and who the world thinks Melanie Burke is that I had lost sight of Melanie Weeks and I don't think that's fair in any number of days. I had to pull myself up by my bootstraps, call myself to order, and start this practice, which is what the Troublemakers Retreat gave me, is to get into practice of living and leading change in an authentic way. I didn't even need to have many conversations with my husband because I had transformed. The troublemaker in me had recognized that the kind of trouble I needed to make in my personal spaces required less of my voice, less of the role playing, just more of me.
And my husband has embraced that and welcomed it in a way that I hadn't expected he would. And so it's really good now. Recognizing that we all have multiple roles that we play in our lives, all of which have a legitimacy and all of which comprise ourselves. And the premise is that the more integrated those are, the more that those form a whole, as opposed to silos, if you will, that coexist with each other, but don't inform and interplay each other. I didn't reduce one or the other. I became more expanded. I'm thriving. And so there is more to go around in terms of these bits that you think you have to parcel out to what you do in the world. And what it does do, I said earlier about being ghosted by this part of you that's not true. It does help me now to not worry about what I'm trying to hide because it's all there. It's transparent. It's plain to see. I don't have to remember what story I told someone about being Mrs. Weeks in one place or what story I told someone about being Melanie Burke in another place. All of me shows up and I'm able to dig into all parts of me, including the shadows. And I think that that makes it more powerful because in the digging in, I express often profound vulnerability. And again, as a model to people, it just makes it okay. It allows people to recognize that if you say to them, actually, tonight is date night, I'm not able to take a public engagement, people know. And so you start to form boundaries that are useful boundaries that you don't actually have to spend the energy explaining yourself. People get to know that. And that's the thing about being all that you are, digging into all that you are to bring into being what is generative and co-creative and abundant. And it's attractive to people. When people are attracted to me because of my authenticity, I'm exchanging energy. I'm inspired. I'm encouraged. I feel supported and I can do more. That's been quite strange for me to understand because I used to be very pragmatic about the parts of me that were showing up. And now that I'm free from the masks, it just makes it better. I am able to wear my own shoes and stand more confidently in my own place. And I can move from place to place and between places and it doesn't matter because wherever I am, I am welcome. And I've learned that that also is Melanie Weeks, Mrs. Weeks. And it's not the massive tragedy I thought it would be to give up the identity of Melanie Burke in the way that I thought I was giving it up. And it isn't that at all. It is adding and creating and shifting and integrating all that you are into your being and practicing and living that. I think that that's something that many of us can relate to you know, any one of these identities develops its own scripts and its own patterns. On one level, we think it's easier to just replicate those and not start to shift the way that they play out. How do people, when they're stuck on that path, bringing more of themselves to one of those roles that they're playing, how do we go about making that shift? I think it calls into play a huge amount of mindfulness and presence. I remember earlier this year I was lurching from one public engagement to the next in these various roles and so I'm very mindful that that is a job I have to do, it is the work I have to do, it is not who I am. And the skill set and the competencies that I have to bring when I'm the chairman of an organization and when I'm a wife sometimes are the same. But the way that I execute those are quite different. And you have to be able to know 
when you bring your courageous self and when you bring your vulnerable self and when you bring your quiet self and your curious self. And these roles are an interplay because sometimes they all show up. The best way I could find to do that was to make a promise and commitment to myself first, that I would show up as the very best version of myself every day and then see what happens. And the most beautiful things do happen. People start to say, well, what's that about? We listen to too many of the messages that come our way about who we should be and who we ought not to be. It's very liberating when you can remember yourself and recognize who you are at your best and lead by example. Troublemakers sometimes think that they have to be on the platforms all the time. I find I do my best troublemaking when no one even knows I'm around. We're all over the place. So find your tribe, find your community and find more like-minded people who can help enhance and enable the change you're hoping to lead together. So you don't want to be this lonely rabble rouser, troublemaker, because that also cannot be useful in the long run. It's not sustainable. Most people's association with that name is a very visible, very vocal, very issue-led individual or movement. And what we're talking about is something where your, your being, who you are, is actually more important than you're doing. That's where it falls short sometimes. That's where it feels destructive because that personal investment isn't there. What troublemakers do much better is they make much quicker, much more effective decisions. And it looks like they're not doing anything. But because they know themselves so well, they know exactly where they can stretch and where they can't stretch. And it seems instantaneous. So I work quite intuitively because I've done the work. I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I know when I need to ask for help. And I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to say in this instance, I need support or I need a different kind of energy to help me in the next phase of what I'm looking to achieve. And so it probably sounds really strange, but one way that I can describe it is it's around being incredibly selfish. Because if you don't take care of who you are, you can't be the change you want to see in the world. And so this thing around issue-led noise-making is a very different thing to troublemaking. If we look at Nelson Mandela, you know, founder of troublemaking, you know, his example for me was around often you will fight a much bigger war. And I use those terms because I think that's what the world understands. You will need to fight a much bigger war. But there are all these small little battles that you have to win to be able to win the war. And many of us don't know which are the battles to let go and which are the ones to take on. We think everything needs to be taken on. And I think that's where we fall into the hole of thinking that it's rabble rousing. Troublemakers is a very different thing. Troublemakers says, wow, this issue, this thing speaks to me deeply. And I'm responding from that deep place around a particular issue. I've learned now that showing up in the rabble-rousing way is very ego-driven and I can't do that. I may have at one stage been able to do that and we learn as we become more authentic and become more of ourselves that you learn that it's way more powerful standing in your own truth than it is trying to acquire truth from elsewhere because it creates such dissonance. We are all always still becoming. We're never there. We're never done as humans. And there's nothing in the world that says if you have crafted a definition in one part of your life that that definition has to be the same for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's so marvelous about being human, that we can apply new knowledge and look at what is 
already traditional knowledge in us and find ways to blend and marry those. And it starts to create this kind of groundswell which creates this enabling environment because we just already are enough. But we need each other also to amplify the value of our humanity. And for me, that is the crux of our authenticity. We're all constantly managing our circumstances to hive a little bit of this off and be a little bit more of this. It's not this let it all loose, let it all hang out approach to things. You have to be strategic about it and smart about it, aware enough to know why you're doing what you're doing and making very deliberate choices about your conversation in order for it to further some sense of purpose or passion that you have to do something more. What are your thoughts around the practicalities of showing up? When we talk about showing up, I think people have the wrong idea. They think you have to put on your uniform and put on your face and the title and all the legitimacy that you think comes with that and be there. You know, you kind of say, I'm present. And I don't think it's like that. I think it's a much more subtle, understated presence but it's felt. People know you there and they feel supported and they feel appreciated and they feel encouraged to find their inner troublemaker. And I don't know that we have enough people who are willing to do that in the world. And so for me, that's what I mean by showing up. It's about being willing to witness someone else's experience, their grappling, their finding their authentic voice. It's actually not about my voice. Perhaps as challenging, if not more challenging, is my willingness to be present with other people doing that. So there's the speaking, if you will, there's the initiating, and then there's the what happens when somebody is bringing that with you. And you've used the word curiosity. I find that's something that I have to continue to practice because I feel with the world as it is right now, there are so many shortcuts to knowing somebody. What we think we know, and what we think we know about other people. And I find that with my husband, if we're coming back to being partners, you know, and how one continues to see a fixed relationship grow is that not relying on shorthand all the time, but remaining curious and, and wanting to understand. And that I think feels like a luxury almost these days when everyone's zooming from one conversation to another and so distracted and so torn. How do you just sit in curiosity and exploration with another human long enough to acknowledge everything you could do together? It's really hard. The world is so programmed black or white, yes or no, it's binary. And life is not binary, relationships are not binary. They have hues of color. Why would I go with black and white when I have this possibility of all this full color that can blast into my life and into my world? And so I check in with myself all the time that I don't get lazy. It's that thing about fixed relationships in your life and coming back to Mrs. Weeks. My husband is my greatest supporter and also my, my most straight critic. And he comes from a place of loving me so much that he doesn't want me to get hurt by the world. And I've never understood that. I've just been out there making my own way because I have been independent my whole life and being Melanie Burke, that independent person was important to me. And that thing about the curiosity, I discovered being curious in this relationship with my husband about who he really is and who he is still becoming because we're together has changed so much for me. I don't assume anything. But because I assume all sorts of other things, because I have a story, 
I react to that. And often it's because of my feelings of inadequacy. So I've now learned that because I don't know, I will simply respond to the question. So, so they're simple things really, but we make so much of them. And if we learn to let go of the identity that we've formed for ourselves and can appreciate that that identity is invented, as is everything else in the world. So I can reimagine, I can co-create. And in my relationship with being Mrs. Weeks now, I have had the privilege, and it's an amazing opportunity to co-create who we are as a couple together. What is my sense of purpose within this space or within this relationship? That's got to be your anchor and your guide in this whole process. And this is for me what's so important, that it is integrated, that who people recognize you to be in the world is all that you are. There's no real surprises and there's no real shocks. And that gives people a great sense of trust that who you say you are, you are. What you say you will do, you do. That if you make a commitment and a promise, you keep your word. And that again comes back to my marriage. So if I can't do that in the deepest private spaces where no one will know, how dare I show up in public spaces and try this? And if you think about how we're leading change in our country and in the world right now, your humanity is required. If we can become vulnerable enough to recognize that just being human gets us a ticket to this game, we're good. All that's required is the, your humanity. When I close my eyes at night, I reflect on how that's been. And there may have been moments where I haven't been able to bring my full self and then I stop and ask, so who was I being that made that not possible? There is no one else in the world that you can change. Only you can do that. The responsibility starts with the individual.